Welcome to Adama Stars, Naked Truths. My name is Junior and I'm a filmmaker, an entrepreneur, a husband to an amazing wife and a father of two wonderful children. The purpose of this podcast is to share my and other people's life experiences to help equip us with the tools necessary to get through trauma. So thanks for tuning back in. On this episode, I'd like to talk about being like water. Now, I know this term is used so freely like the, the word love, but let's put some context to it. For a long time, I wrestled with the idea that I needed to be there and never here. The future was where it was happening, you know, where it was popping. The present was painful. You know, I had to settle, you know, I had to compromise. My rationale was simple. The future self will pull my present self forward. And there, there was wisdom in it, you know, um, because it kept me or it got me going. As without a destination, the engine cannot be switched on. But the issue I was finding is that sometimes I would reach my destination premature, lacking the substance needed to stay there. Now, it wasn't in all situations, but it was definitely in key parts of my life that I couldn't ignore. What was happening is that I was journeying, but not moving. When you're a man on a mission, the mission is all that matters. So taking the time to enjoy the strawberries growing naturally in the bush isn't really an option. It wasn't until I had children of my own did the holes in my life started to show. I had been working hard and smarter and excelling in my career, building a business and pushing my marriage. But I hadn't addressed past trauma, nor took the time to appreciate what I had built. People and things were around me, but I didn't see them. In my marriage, I took the same approach in building a business, failing to realize that I needed to grow it instead. I wanted you know, our future self to be experienced now, not today in the present. So I pushed, kept on pushing and pushing. Even though progressive and justified, I was allowing the need for us to be somewhere else rather than us being where we need to be and organically through intentional sensitive actions, allowing us to meander there. It's like, you know when you, you squeeze your the toothpaste tube um, in the middle, after a while, the normal pace comes out. And you're like, you get frustrated and say, oh, I'm throw away, it's finished, right? Not realizing that if you just roll the tube from the bottom, there is a whole leap more of toothpaste still left. And it was no different from my marriage. I was squeezing us so much that I thought that there's nothing left. There's nothing left for us to give each other. My thinking was that she couldn't give me any more. That's it. She had reached, we had reached, but... You know, from my perspective, she had reached her cap. In our current state, with the lenses that we were using at that moment, that was correct. We couldn't give each other any more. She couldn't give me any more. You know, for a person that was living in the future, I'm like, yo, that's a problem because that doesn't align itself with my future self. And so I had to find a way to kind of now either accept that reality or change it. And a journey that she needs to go through herself, um, and not, and it shouldn't, and her journey shouldn't be my rationale to say, okay, now I'm gonna hold myself back 
or prevent the relationship being what it could be because it could be a thing whereby if I became or become this or show more of this specific thing that I'm lacking, maybe our relationship can actually become more, become the very thing that I once objectified and I now desire. But because of my pride and my ego, I'm like, nah, that can't happen. So I had to battle with that. And that was a big thing for me because I love this person. But at the same time, like, is this it? Is this, is this, is this it? Is this how it's going to be for the next 20, 30, 50, maybe 100 years? Like, do I want to live miserable? Do I want to always look over my shoulder and see, oh, I could be happier there or that situation is more progressive. Those conversations are better because you know, I got to a point whereby I would talk and it wasn't reciprocated, you know, it wasn't a two-way conversation. That two-way conversation is so important because that's how we become intimate. If that's not even present, if that's not possible, if that's not even desired, then we get to a point whereby someone's pouring and the other person is just emptying it. And so now we've got this, this void, this disparity that, that exists between us because we want something completely different. And to me, there's where the problem started to arise. So, you know, we're, we're at this point whereby we're not happy. I'm, well, I'm not happy. She's content. You know, she's, you know, creating them ecosystem. And, you know, we've got this partnership, but this partnership is more contractual. And we're doing, you know, our roles. We're playing our roles. And for the best part of it, you know, we are, we are happy. Both of us are happy. But only to a certain extent, we start having these problems, and and you know, I'm I'm challenging. Are you really? I'm, and I'm asking these questions like, are you really happy? Because I'm not. Are, are you are you happy just going through the rhythm of life, but not actually seeing me or getting back to that place whereby it was all about us and we created everything else that we see around us. You know, it was me, you, and God in the center. It's like, yo, like, we're good. But now we've got all these other stuff that we've attached to our relationship. You know, we've got children, and then we've got nursery fees, and then we've got the house, and then we've got responsibilities and commitment. And then we've got all these other stuff that we just have that we're doing, right? And so now we don't have no time, no space, no breath for each other. And for me, it was a problem because I feel that that could be threatened at any time. That were the cracks. That, <laughs> to me, those were cracks in the armor. Everything else is beautiful, but they are all an extension. At that moment, I was being replaced. Our relationship was being placed. It's almost like we didn't really matter. It's just the ecosystem. And then after, you know, loads of uh, these little battles that we've had, you know, I remember me and my wife having this conversation. It was quite a pivotal conversation. And she said to me, Junior, you always have your armor on. And initially I said to myself, what? What are you talking about? You ain't complaining about how we're living and all the holidays we go on. You know, the ecosystem stands, doesn't stand by itself. It's because of that armor. It's because of this transformation of the person that I am that we can have all these things. So how can you tell, tell me, oh, you always have your armor? And then I had to kind of just take a moment, you know, just say, tomorrow, let me just think about this. And I thought, 
nah, 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 she's trying to attack my ego. Nah, I can't be having that. I can't, no, she, she's attacking me. She's saying that, oh, the person that I've built myself up to be is now a problem. Ah, now it's a problem, right? After you ha- we have all this stuff, now you say it's a problem. Automatically, my ego, my pride was like, nah, can't have that. But then I let it sink in a bit more. And then it hit me. For a long time, I wanted to be a Power Ranger. Literally, you know, a Power Ranger. The problem wasn't the transformation. The problem was now that I had stayed transformed physically. When a transformation was meant to be the renewing of the mind. I had become a Power Ranger literally rather than mentally. And I kept the visor always on. Nobody could ever see me. You know, you couldn't see my eyes. She couldn't see my eyes. She wanted to see me, but the visor got in the way. You know, and I, it didn't come up first. At first, I was, I was angry. I was vexed. I was like, how are you coming to me like that? How, how, how do you say that? After everything, you're going to criticize of everything that's given us and this family liberty. Overwhelmed my ability to see it maturely. And see it from a different perspective. Because my perspective was only my perspective. And that is the problem. You know, When you're so in your head that you feel that only your perspective can work or is working. If that was the case, you would have already attained what it is that you wanted to attain. My conclusion from this is that I had squeezed the love out of my marriage. And with it, the willingness for us to be all that we needed to be for each other. Sometimes you want to blame other external things, you know, that person did this, or that's the reason why this is not happening. And and even if it's true, I had to change my perspective and look inside in order for anything to change. If I didn't, I would have been stuck in the past. And that's where all the pain was. There's where all the disappointments were. And I had to leave the stuff in the past, in the past. But if I dwelled in the past, I'm bringing the past to the present and thus making that my future. What worked yesterday was great in getting me and the engine going, but not in sustaining me. Now, for a long time, I hadn't dealt with my, my, my past trauma, you know, the stuff of old. I had, you know, I had used the ignore and focus technique to get by. But in order for me to transcend and move to the next level, I needed to change that technique to the address and overcome i had to go to therapy to understand why so that i could put into context how one has to go through you know some people you know have other tools and other abilities and enabled and you know certain things not phasing in the same capacity but for me i had to go through these things to actually to have this the tools so for a long time i wanted to feel loved I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be acknowledged and cared for, you know, something that I never got as a child. So naturally I gravitated towards this energy or people or environments that I could control to a certain extent that could achieve that goal. Now with me not addressing these core issues, I had put this kind of mental weight onto my wife to be that love or that expression of that love. Even though not intentional, it was a kind of mental abuse or pressure as it blinded me in truly appreciating her for what she is. I wanted wife 2.0, but 
there's nothing wrong with wife 1.0. And I had to get out of my mind that she's not a commodity. She's a person that needs to be loved, cared, and nurtured. And this was a massive revelation to me because it allowed me to swallow my pride and communicate in a way that I have never done before. And I cried. I had to cry. I mean, seriously, I, I, I cried. And, I, and this day, like a wedding day, I remember very clearly. You know, and, and you, know, you know, we reached this point whereby you know, certain things were happening and I just needed to kind of break everything down, right? Because we had issues, like major issues, like, you know, breakup issues to the point whereby am I going to check out? Like, this is, like, I'm not happy, you know, and this is a problem. And she's not happy because I'm reacting in a certain way, right? And so I said to her, okay, let me speak. And I had to speak to her on a level, on a level that I don't believe I've spoken to her before. Remember, I'm speaking. We're in the kitchen. In the kitchen. She's standing on one side and I'm standing on the other. And I'm sitting down and she's standing up because she's looking down on me because she, she wants to lay into me. And I'm there saying to myself, I want to go crazy. I want to react. I want to go angry. But for whatever reason, I said to myself, nah, let me, let me step back. Let me, let me just express. Let me just tell her rather than dictate to her. As I was talking, I started looking down. I, started, I looked down on the floor beneath me and there was this puddle. And I couldn't, and, and then I realized where the puddle was coming from. It was coming from my, from my face. I was like, no, I'm crying. It's like, no, 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 Junior. Why are you crying? No, can't be crying. And I couldn't control it. It just kept on coming. And I knew it was coming from my face because we just fixed the ceiling. You know, we had a leak in our, in our kitchen. I was like, no, it's not coming from there. That's been fixed now. It's definitely coming from my face. The more I opened up, the more the tears came. And for the first time, I had taken off the visor, the visor that had protected me for so long. And for the first time, she could actually see my tears, see my eyes. Now, I would like to mention that I had been communicating my issues and my desires and just, you know, struggles for a long time. But similar to love languages, I had been doing so in a way that made sense to me and not her. I was speaking my language and neglecting hers. This moment wasn't about being logical, but being sensitive. Now, once this happened, she went from giving me 60% to 100% overnight. And it's like, this is a big thing because it's like, wait, all this was in you and you you chose not to give it to me. Just, but and you know that I was giving you my all. And, and this hurt me, you know, because like, yo, I feel shortchanged. You know, you know when you go into a shop and you, you know, you, you give you give the shopkeeper ten pound, right? But everything is meant to come up to like everything that you've bought comes to six pound, and the shopkeeper gives you a pound back. And you're like, yo, 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 bro, like. Well, I'll go on about the rest. Like, what what, what we doing here? Like, which which one this is? Like, I want my money back. Give me the right change. And I kind of felt short change in the same way, you know. And but I think for me, it heightened 
how I've been looking at our relationship. I mean, for me, it was, uh, it was a realization that I've been looking at this relationship from a contractual perspective rather than a love-based covenant, you know, between two people that are meant to be committed to the idea of being servants of love to one another. I had shown face <laughs> for the first time, literally shown I've shown my face. She can see my face. She can see everything. She can see my expressions that I that I've hid for such a long time. Now I won't lie, I had to swallow that pride. And I feel that if I didn't swallow that pride, our marriage or the foundation that we based, you know, our marriage on and the rows that we took would have been made right. I remember saying to myself that I want a beautiful relationship. You know, we all had this idea, yo, I want this relationship that can last, that can last four lifetimes, that can move mountains, you know, this sort of love that ain't nobody can box with, you know, this, this love that can make you do anything. And then we all have this idea, you know, I, I had this idea, that I had this idea that I want to have this amazing person that I can build this life with that can be, that is, you know, indestructible, right? But then that's the fantasy. <laughs> yeah, that's the fantasy. But the reality is that if I was going to experience that sort of love, I was going to need to get out of my own way and learn how to truly love, feel, and see this amazing person in front of me again for the first time. I changed my perspective and lens. I was like, oh, wow, she's still there. My beautiful, amazing, intelligent, attractive wife that inspired me to create all these things still in front of me and wanting me to. The moment I let down my God, I went from being a man that builds to a gardener that nurtures. You can build a city, but you still need people to live in it. You know, I think I want to stop there and share my three main observations. One, get out your own way. We are our biggest enemies at times, and we restrict ourselves from moving effectively. If a log falls into a stream, it prevents other objects from flowing. Power comes from moving with the flow of life, using the right tools to stir yourself in the right direction. The key is to move along with the river, to reach your destination, not to remain lodged and inactive. Two, release and move on. Past hurts can sometimes prevent us from moving on. If the flame is hot, you move your hand. In the same way, in order for the pain to stop or at least lessen, you must move. To remain is to deepen an already deep wound. Remember, reconciliation isn't necessary in moving on, but moving your mental thoughts is. So take off the armor of pride so that you can move your feet and arms to truly swim to your salvation. And three, always have the end in mind and be sensitive to the process. You cannot skip to the end, even though the end is important. The transformational journey that you need to go through is even greater.
Life happens for you, not to you. Set your goal and go for it, but don't dictate to yourself your speed as the purpose of a journey is to journey through things and thus discover hidden gems that you couldn't see before. If you were it, you wouldn't be here, but because you are here, you ain't there. So embrace the lessons and pick up the tools needed so that the stream of life can take you to your destination. In all your reaching, try your best to see the strawberries in the bush. Thank you for listening. And that brings me to the end of this part of this episode. I hope it has helped someone, even if it's just one person, keep on fighting. Please send me your messages as it would be great to hear your thoughts on similar battles and grow together. Thank you.